it's just spinning. Okay, now it's doing. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I am in my home office today, so hopefully the internet will hold up here in the backwoods in Alabama. So um, Dylan Minguez, which I know how to say his last name now, um, but I've talked to him many times and I'm really, really excited to have him on. He's a really great illustrator and letterer and designer and he's done a lot of things and he has a lot of wisdom. So today I called it Understanding Your Calling because I think um, you had done a lot of things. You've been a designer, an art director, creative director, and now you're... you in 2015 September you kind of went out on your own and kind of went back to instead of managing a lot of people just you and um, that that takes a lot of guts but it also you probably I mean it, it's a it's taking a step in a different direction so can you kind of talk a little bit about your natural evolution of your creative career and give us a little bit of background yeah sure I've, I've been in creative stuff advertising for about 20 years and the the quickest possible story from where I've been the last many years to where I am now is that having climbed the the ladder of traditional advertising agencies and being at a this VP CD position I found that I just wasn't satisfied with that particular path anymore yeah. and the thing I missed the most was just creating was actually making stuff and so in order to do that I started to put some things in motion it's a long plan and that cat's gonna get booted here in a second sorry goodness it's okay he just wants his time in the spotlight part Siamese all mouth um, <laughs> But I started putting some things in motion that would help me make that goal happen. And that's, again, the shortest possible answer to that question, for starters. So you had you always been, you know, because really your illustrations are really powerful. They're very stylistic. Were you doing that type of illustration in, in your job as a designer? Because you were doing animations. You were doing all kinds of things. Yeah, that, the... The Instagram feed shows some pretty weird stuff, and that's definitely a playground. Um, I had not been doing much of that kind of illustration for a long time, and so it was doing some illustrations like that that was part of that decision of the decision to say, "What if I did that full time?" Which is mm -hmm. a pretty scary place, and again, that's why we're here to talk today about some of that. But no, I hadn't been doing some of those weirdo type illustrations. And yet when I started to dabble in those again, after years of really not doing it at all, and I mean years of not doing any of it, I felt that creative energy in doing those small exercises, just side jobs or just personal illustrations or whatever they were. And that creative energy is a pretty important thing. That was a really key thing to, to feel that and to think, okay, I like this sensation. And again, it's beyond just feelings and emotions, but, um, but those can hit pretty deep as anybody out there knows. So uh, that was the initial, so starting to do those again was, was part of that initial, you know, launch into the, into the rabbit hole really of what would this look like if I did this full time? So, so 
Go ahead. Well, actually, to cover something that, that I think a lot of people don't know, especially if you, you just look at my Instagram feed and, and, and don't look at my website, which, like everyone's website, is in, is in need of uh, an update. Um, but when I started Megas Design, even though it was some illustration work and actually an interactive job, those three, a couple of illustration jobs, one interactive job, those three things really got me motivated to think about doing a business on my own. Yet when I started Megas Design, I said, this is going to be all about doing identity design. Design a logo, add mm. a business card, do a website, create this information system, whatever that looks like. That's going to be my bread and butter. The reality is in the last two and a half years we've been in business, I've done a handful of identity jobs and they've been wonderful jobs. All, all the work I've done has been really rewarding and a great blessing, but it's funny how what you think you're going to get into might not be that thing. And that's, yeah. That gets into some things we'll talk about later today about generalists versus specialists and stuff like that. So what was the impetus? So were you doing some of those jobs beforehand? You were doing some freelance and then it kind of fed into, and hey, what if I do this uh, on my own? Or was it something else that kind of was like, hey, maybe I should just do this? I mean, because it, it's some people really plan it out. Some people just say, hey, I'm quitting. I'm sh shutting the door. I'm going to do this with my own thing. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of an organic pattern. There wasn't, there wasn't a defining moment. It was really a series of things. So to answer your question, though, I had been doing some freelance things. Like, like a lot of people out there listening now and people that I know that are working full-time gigs someplace, most people I know are dabbling on the side with something, some kind of, whether it's the same type of work, they're just looking for something a little more manageable or just something a little more rewarding, whatever, satisfying, you know, we can talk about that, but I was, I, it's going back to what you were asking about, Diane, I was doing some side things that were actually those illustration jobs and, and, and a couple of identity things. So those always felt like the two categories, identity and illustration that I, that I wanted to pursue. So, um, so yes, I was doing the freelance thing, but the two illustration things, illustration related things that I did um, that really got me thinking hard about going solo and starting Mingus Design were not for clients. They were just that, and that's what made them so special. They were just wild free drawing exercises. Mm. And then of course that interactive job came along. That was a, you know, a very commercial job for a commercial client. And that was a very positive experience. All those things combined kind of funneled down. And all of a sudden I thought, wait a second, there was, there was again, not a defining moment because that's awfully dramatic. And I'd like to say that happened, but it doesn't, it didn't for me, but there was kind of a, a, a funnel of sort that uh, a funnel effect where I thought, okay, something's happening here. I did have a moment or three like that. So you were, t you were telling me that one day you were in the garage and you were drawing, you just decided to do a illustration all over one wall and your, wa your wife came down or into yeah. the garage and it was really kind of like a, a moment that she said, you're really having fun. You're really enjoying this, right? Yeah. 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 Can you tell them about that a little bit? Yeah. So that was that, garage job was one of these two illustration things that wasn't for anybody, but just to do it. There was no creative brief. And, um, and actually I'm just going to, if I'm, uh, you'll bear with me, I can pull up a, a shot of that. Um, yeah, that'd be great. And uh, I'll, I'll do that while I'm talking. But the idea was I had a bunch of these rock and roll and, and other posters and a couple posters I had done. I needed a place to hang them because we have a really small place now. And I put them up out in the garage. And then next to those posters, there was a big blank space. And so what I did was I, I 
um, put all the posters in a big cartoon bubble and then did a mirror reflection of that bubble and put the word art mm. in that other bubble, this giant type A-R-T. And then inside the art letters, that's where this free drawing happened. And um, it, there was no plan, but I am kind of fascinated by the apocalypse and the end of times and stuff like that. I haven't read the Left Behind series, no interest in that, but I'm nothing against it, just not my gig. But I love apocalyptic, dystopia type stuff. So I just started drawing in that theme. And what came out of it, um, and I don't want to uh, keep looking away here to try to find this, but uh, I, I may have to bail from trying to find it. Um, it became this exercise of drawing these people just freaking out over the end of the world. And inside the ART is Godzilla chasing down this hipster and the hipster's holding a book that says something about survival. And, and um, there's guys on top of a roof holding signs about the end of the world. And there's the close encounters mountain in the background and spaceships coming in and um, just the whole, everything's falling apart. And it's the kind of the, the weird comedy of all that. And at the very end of it, there's a little girl and she's, totally checked out from this whole apocalyptic scene. She's looking down at her little Hello Kitty iPhone and then Bigfoot standing over top of her, really annoyed because she's completely blowing him off. <laughs> so that scene, um, finishing that one night, it was a Friday night. I'd skipped dinner. I'm just standing out there in a pair of shorts on a beautiful summer night. It's 11 something PM. I totally lost track of time. And I realized that Janet was in the doorway. And I turned and that's when she said, you should see the look on your face. You're really digging this. And uh, that was one of those key moments where I, I, I knew quickly that some things were coming together and that something good would come out of this. I didn't know what, but just her being able to, you know, see that moment and articulate that for, for a brief second was really important. That's cool. And it uh, was kind of a marker because then yeah. it wasn't it wasn't just you in your head. It was also something that other people could see and people who were really obviously yep. important and to you. So Doc had a question. I always like to make sure I always send out the questions to the list the day before. And Doc had a great question, which it kinda is a good kind of start off for today. So um one question he's been wrestling with that he would love to hear your thoughts on is when looking for our purpose in life, we often align that with our jobs. Are your purpose and career tied together? Do they have to be? And when will you add faith into the mix? Does that change things? If so, how? So the first part of that is our, is our, or the first part that stands out to me is our purpose and um, the job tied together. Uh, boy, that's a, that's a big thing to unpack. I, I, I knew Doc would just throw, <laughs> throw, throw a big question in there. And um, we could certainly spend all of our time just unpacking that question. Right. It'd be fun to do that with everybody in the, in the chat too and, you know, get some, get some feedback. Um, I think for creatives, and so I'll say this for me, and I, I think it's true of some creatives that I know, especially uh, – like my friend Jeremy Slagle, my, my creative buddy of 20-some years. To, to, be, to have the blessing of being able to uh, visually create stuff, that there's, there is something special about it. And, um, because it, and, and it, it becomes special in our culture because it's a visual thing. 
-hmm. And so you get attention through that. And if you're creating things that are positive and beautiful and glorifying and, you know, just all good, then um, it's hard not to connect your, your vocation with your purpose Mm -hmm. and and see that spiritual bridge between those things. It's not, you know, it's not lost on me that the maker movement is a big thing and the word maker is a big deal. And and again, we've got a hundred titles for what we do is is creative oriented people, designer, maker, you know, all that. But it's not lost on me that I believe in a creator and I am given the skills to be a creator of a certain way here on earth. And, and again, to be very clear, this is not some God complex. I, I have enough ego issues that I struggle with, but I know that I'm not trying to, you know, make that kind of a bridge. But there is that connection that we, we I believe in a, an actual creator. And then uh, here I am as a creator. What is, you know, so it's hard not to make those links, I guess, mm-hmm. to put it quickly, as quickly as possible. So for, for other vocations, you know, I really can't say. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that and, and whether or not there's a link between purpose and what you do as, as a vocation. Yep. But like for you going out on your own, did you feel like that was part of your calling was to not be working or managing other people? It was um, to do the type of work because that's a very different being a VP creative director is very different than owning your own firm. You have a lot of hats to manage when you're doing your own thing and it's uh, maybe more focused on your specific style. And I don't know if that's what Doc's coming from or not but I maybe you know for anybody that's working a job that doesn't really necessarily use all their God-given talents or their style um, it may be something that people are juggling with it does is this mean that this job isn't right for me or you know do you know what I'm asking I think so because let me let me um, grab the first part of that and, and this is um, hopefully a little more clarity around the, the, the connection and Doc's question too, is um, part, of the, part of the frustration that I felt in the larger agency environment, and that's a key word there, the larger environment, this, this, this high, this large scale uh, environment where uh, it's difficult to communicate sometimes effectively across a wider group, right? It's just, it's just the nature of what it is. Right. Talk about filling an hour with something we can, we can go there, but let's not. But the, the point is I had frustration in that larger environment because I felt like I couldn't effectively serve people in, in, mm. in the way that I wanted to. And when I transitioned to Mingus design, it's much easier to to serve people in the way that I wanted to because the scale is dramatically different and now when I like the job I just uh, was working I've been working the last several days I have a singular stakeholder in that job in fact just about every piece of work that I've taken on has a single stakeholder that is a radically different environment than the typical agency environment so it's not to say that it's perfection either or that it's some kind of nirvana. To your point, like you said, I wear lots of hats now. I, you know, like that talk I was given last summer from manager to maker, the reality is I manage all kinds of stuff now. But, um, but in terms of the servant heart or the servant-oriented mm-hmm. purpose, and there's that purpose word again, 
uh, there's a much closer alignment and much more fulfilling execution of being a servant, in my opinion, my experience so far, in this small scale running a small studio than there ever was running a large agency. And does that mean I had a deficiency back there and being able to communicate? Yeah, probably, for sure. I've never been a great communicator, but I am very much more satisfied as far as daily life and daily work in this smaller scale. Mm. And again, to be really clear, I hope clear, that's a purpose thing. That's that, that servant heart that I hope I have, that I pray for, that I don't have a lot of the time in my selfish ways. But as I seek to have more of that, I just know I can, I can, I can um, find better ways to fulfill that at a smaller scale, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So it's not necessarily so much about the type of work, but it's about you being able to serve the people around you, your clients better. Um, but that was what you were, that was part of your purpose. Um, yeah. So Shane says, we're all called to serve the creator and given talents to use in that service. Sometimes the choice between two options seems difficult, but sometimes the answer could be right for either option. You can serve him anywhere. Very true. Yep. So yep. you have, um, it's a doc's middle question was, you know, are our purpose and our career tied together and do they have to be? And I think you're saying, um, do you tell me what you think, what you're saying? So, so to try to summarize that, and Doc, thank you for that <laughs> stunningly deep question that we won't possibly be able to unpack completely, but it's a great question. Um, I think in terms of being a creative, that it's hard not to um, get purpose aligned with what you do because we're creators and, you know, the, we're creators as a vocation, but we believe in a creator, some of us. Um, and yet, I, uh, you know, Shane brings up a great point. No matter what we do, we can still fulfill our purpose, if I'm, if I'm hearing Shane's answer uh, correct there. Um, we, we, can be, we can be a servant anywhere we are, no matter right. what we do. So if, if that helps define that a little bit better. So I'm going to change, um, go back to our list. So why um, do you have, because this seems, uh, so the, with the mural you did in your garage, you had King Kong, you had um, all kinds of things, and then you have octopus. So I asked you for a, you know, a headshot, and you give me something with, um, yeah, a lot of tentacles. So, um, and that seems to be something that you use a lot, and it has... Um, I guess it has meaning and you, uh, you're going to tell me. It does. It's a big secret. Here it is. Okay. It's actually pretty simple. I'm, I'm fascinated with octopi. I think is that, is that right? The plural is octopi. I think so. Octopods that kind of, is that better? I'm fascinated with them because there's so many layers to them. They're, uh, I think as far as we understand it, people believe that they're an, an intelli more intelligent animal, maybe than some. I'm not sure how that's quantified or qualified, but um, there's a mystery to them that I love. And, and they literally live in the deep and they function in the dark. And there's a beauty to them. There's also a, a, a there, there's something frightening about them too, to me. So there's a lot of layers to them that I, that I love, that, that, that fascinates me. 
what it specifically means and the reason I've, I've so all those things are important and that's and that's why I've I've pulled that in as kind of the uh, what, what, what do the hipster kids say the spirit animal of the of, of the day um, that's why I've pulled it in but the, but the more specific thing about the octopus is that to me the arms represent our gifts Mm. And this is, can you tell we're leading into this generalist specialist conversation now as I bring this up? So uh, all of the arms represent all of the things that we can do in service in, in our vocation for me as a creative. And, and then as you probably have seen in some of my stuff I've posted on Instagram, a lot of times, uh, unlike my profile shot there, I often show the octopus as if it's swimming down with its arms up. And, and the idea there's just very simple is that as we have these gifts, these you know, octopus tentacles, um, showing them vertically is the idea of just giving those gifts back vertically to the creator that, that gave you the gifts in the first place. That's it. That's the whole meaning, um, whatever that's worth. I like and it. Plus, the last thing is they're super fun to draw, and you just cannot exhaust the, the execution of octopus drawings and what you do with them and all those arms and, and the, suck, the, the suckers and way too much fun. Have you ever touched one? No, I'd love to. I've uh, I've never been SCUDA certified, and someday I'd like to be. I'd like to go deep and get up close to one. And I mean, what a way to go! You know, getting choked up by an octopus at you know several hundred feet below the sea or something. Why not? Doc, Doc ask a non-deep question this time. Do you make sounds when you draw them? <laughs> um. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, no, but I, I'll bet I'm going to start making sounds. <laughs> That's funny. I'm, I'm going to make a video just for Doc. <laughs> okay. So um, when did you feel like you started understanding what you loved the most? Like, was it always as a kid or was it a certain point in your career as the VP of uh, creative director or was there was there a point, I feel like some people get to a point where there's, um, you're not fulfilled or, you know, was it just that you started creating more things on a regular basis? And then, you know, I just wonder, cause I always feel like we're, I, I think we're always, you and I were talking the other day and we don't have anything worked out. Me and you're about the same age and it always feels like, it feels like you're just starting, you know, and you are 20 years above somebody else and you're like, I feel like I'm behind them even or something, maybe not. But, um, you know, was there, I mean, I, you kind of already answered the, was there a point, but I think people are looking for some, for clarity, you know, obviously, yeah. and that doesn't, that's, it's not always super clear. Yeah. So a couple things to share there. One is, I have a filter that I, I mentioned a few minutes ago, but I'll, I want to just bring this out again. I have a filter that I've used and especially when it came to moving from the agency, big agency world to starting this little design studio. And the filter is, was applied to what I do, whether it's photography, illustration, writing, uh, visual note taking for companies, uh, identity design, Again, you know, all, the, all those categories. And the, uh, the filter is um, simply that, like the garage job or like the totem pole thing that I made or the Subaru interactive job, 
I lost sleep and I was okay with it. I still felt energized, even though I've been up crazy late, I missed meals and I still felt energized with that creative energy. Those two things alone as filters can tell you something. Now, it doesn't mean that because those two filters are true for you in that particular task that you should just drop everything and go pursue that the rest of your life. It's not quite that simple. But I think they're pretty key and common and easy to, to gauge filters, mm. pay attention to and say, okay, is this thing that I'm doing giving me that kind of creative energy where I'm, where I'm willing to lose some sleep and I still feel great? I feel like, man, I could do this till four o'clock in the morning and I never stay up that late. Is that right. what you're experiencing? That, that's a sign. Right. And maybe you should, you know, just see how that plays out over a little longer period of time and, and, and ask yourself, why, what is it about that exercise that, that gets me in that zone? So for me, there have been a lot of things that have, there are several things that get me in that creative zone. I think from there, the responsibility we have, if we want to make that a commercial venture, is to, one of the most important things to say is to, is to find somebody that you trust, that you know is not going to give you a BS answer. It's going to absolutely shoot straight with you and say, and show them some of that work and say, what do you think of this? Where should this go? Or should it not go anywhere? Or do you see something here that speaks to a, uh, maybe a, a skew of that task that could be more beneficial to me? You know, I, I want to make, somebody says, you know, I, I want to make logos, but in that logo creation stuff, you know, your peer, that person that you look to for wisdom and guidance says, you know, as far as the, the mark making, it's okay, but your, but your typography skills are amazing or whatever it might be. The bigger picture, the bigger point there is that you're you're looking outside yourself, getting out of your own huddle, and getting some wisdom from somebody about what to do about that thing that you love. Gotcha. Okay, so I think those are good filters. I wrote them down. Um, in the beginning of Mingus Design, what kind of time were you giving to side projects, personal projects? Were you burned out at all or energized? Um, did these personal pro passion projects help direct the work that you were meant to do? So. You thought it was going to be more identity, yeah. but it didn't necessarily, that was what you thought, mm -hmm. but that wasn't necessarily where it went. How did you remain flexible? Because I think that's a really key point of starting a business is to kind of see where you're supposed to go. Well, here's an embarrassing revelation. I guess kind of embarrassing. I took work as I got it. And it doesn't mean I took everything. I turned down some things too, but what I did not do was say, well, if that's not an identity job, I'm not doing it. I didn't do that. I, and, and so in the course of that first, the first several months of being open for business, I did do some identity work, but resource Amirati came along and said, we've got a wayfinding project. And I know Derek's um, yeah. was listening uh, earlier and Derek's just a, He's, he's a super freak about doing this kind of stuff. He's, he's awesome. Um, he is. He's, he could talk about this better than I, but, but, um, but the, the, the job at hand was a wayfinding project. And they said, we need you to, to mark certain places in this very large space that we have with some lettering or, you know, some type of illustrative lettering to just do something beyond just putting vinyl on the wall, something organic that gives a little life to the space, that kind of thing. But, but they had very, um, uh, not to their discredit, but just lower expectations for what those things might be. Just simple, you know, again, all good. Mm -hmm. What that became was this exercise in each of these spaces, 
that uh, was much more than just a simple wayfinding where I would write, like for example, one of the one of the um, areas of their of their two floor space was called the alley, and instead of just writing the alley and some nice type on their painted walls with the Molotov marker, the alley became what I proposed was I said, what if we do a reverse perspective on the corner of this space? So we've got a corner coming out at you. Let's do a perspective that flips that against inside the corner. And actually, I will pull it up really quick because it's oh, that'd be great, not yeah. explain that very well at all. But um, anyway, they decided to go ahead and do that. And it became a pretty cool space. And again, way more than just a simple wayfinding exercise. The, the bigger benefit there was not that um, I got something sold to the client and yay for me and it took more time and money. That's great. Nice bonus. Who wouldn't want that? But the better benefit and the big key thing that really the big aha that moved forward from there was realizing that we had an opportunity as, as people walked down this long hallway to get to that space, I had an opportunity to give them a bit of a visual reward for getting there. Not just the reward of, aha, I'm at the place where I'm supposed to be for this next meeting at 3.30, but we give them some type of experience, some visual experience that stops them for a hot moment and makes them just just dig in or just enjoy something that they see there. That's it. And if we can do that for a minute, there's a, there's a tremendous value to that. Whether it's the employee or whether it's, you know, somebody that's in the space with them, a client of theirs. Right. So um, I'll pull this up really quick and share my screen. Uh, let's see. Diane, keep me honest here. Make sure I do this so right. Yeah. Hit share screen. And then you're going to, if you already have it up then you'll be able to choose the window. Okay. So this was the initial, um, this is actually Ooh. a photo of the actual uh, wall. And um, let me pull up a wider view of that. That shows the, oops, let's open the file. Sorry, y'all. Oh, no, I don't want to do Photoshop. Sorry, guys. No worries. Here we go. So this is what, um, can you guys see? Yeah, that? yeah. So this is a little closer view of that. So you can see there's a corner coming at you and then we drew, drew this perspective going the opposite way or the reverse of that. And then of course, as you can see over on the right and also on the left, there's the alley in a couple different places, depending on which way that person's walking towards the space, why not do it in each, each side so that you know, you're not losing somebody. And then inside here are all kinds of little cultural things that are relevant to resource folks. and you know, IBM was just in the process of taking them over, buying the company. So there's some, so a couple nods to IBM here. The, the dog down in the lower left is somebody's dog. Um, that's actually Janet down in the middle on her bicycle. Um, <laughs> portrait of her, which I snuck in there. That's uh, your wife. So if people yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's, that's, that's Janet, my wife down in the middle. Um, 250 is their address on high street. You know, so it's things like that. So again, much more than just putting a, a sign up. So Andre asks, so we got Portugal represented with Andre. He um, asked if this is all hand-drawn. Yeah, it's all hand-drawn. And I'll, uh, if you, can I just tell them the process, Diane? Is yeah, that cool? please. Okay. Um, so you guys will laugh at this because it's, it's remarkably high-tech for a um, super low-tech execution of just hand-drawing something. And I'll, um, I, I'm looking over here to the right because I'm going to show you guys um, just real quick. 
So just so you know, Matt says, I want to walk around in that illustration. It was really <laughs> cool. It does make you want to walk. You don't really want to turn and walk down the hall. You want to walk down uh, the hall you made. So I'm going to do this uh, a little bit out of order. Sorry, but um, let's see. Entrance. I'll show you guys. Uh, actually, I'll show you guys something that nobody's really seen in, in full for a long time, except the client. Can you guys see that? Mm -hmm. uh, black and white drawing? Yep, with a okay. uh, hand in like Dr. Spock or whatever. Yeah, this is crazy. So the whole thing was about um, mind blown was the, was the concept mm -hmm. that the client gave me. And this was the original drawing that I did for them that I loved so much. And um, it just was too weird for for them. And it's okay. But you guys can see I snuck in an octopus here as part of the story. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and then there's some client stuff in here, like Tidy Cats was one of resources clients. Um, they have an office in different offices in different places. So there's some, some buildings there to, to talk about that. Apple was there, one of their original clients. There's a little tiny uh, computer there in the middle and an old, an old Mac. Um, they love tech and, and tech culture. So Star Wars and stuff like that's in there. Burton was an old client. Uh, Sherman Williams is a client, which you can see on the far right, right in the mm -hmm. middle, there's a little Sherman Williams world. So anyway, lots of stuff there in that drawing. And, um, and then that became this entrance wall that was, that was uh, drawn on the wall. So the process is really pretty simple. I typically will draw on a piece of paper and or have been for a long time. But with this particular job, everything changed. And it changed because just after this resource work started, the iPad Pro was released, mm. the pencil. So that's what, two years, two plus years ago. And um, Jeremy Slagle got an invite to a private little showing of that. And um, I'll pull up one more shot of this thing. As so how finished. do you know Jeremy? Jeremy and I go way back. Jeremy and I uh, worked at a company called Solid Light together 20 years ago. And um, he, he was working for a, a parent company that had um, hired him to do, well, I won't go into that detail, sorry, it's gonna be really boring. But Jeremy and I worked together 20 years ago at that company. And then we worked together again when they had Element Design Group here in Columbus, Ohio. And then I left Element for Out of the Box, which was an interactive agency, my first foray in interactive work, long time ago. Back when we used to say, do you guys want a CD with this or a site or both? And that's, yeah, old school. So uh, Element folded and then Jeremy, of course, owns Slagle Design, which a lot of you guys know. If you don't, you should check him out. Jeremy's an amazing dude. He's been a, just a tremendous friend to me and a, and a mentor too, even though he's a younger cat by a little bit. So yeah, we go way back. So the process, sorry to get back to that, is... Um, we go to this thing, I'm turned on to the iPad Pro, I threaten to steal it on video, which is a true thing. I was trying to be funny, which I'm not normally, but uh, there was a lot of seriousness. I was having an ethical moment in LA on video when I made this joke about stealing one of these things. So I bought the first generation, and since that came out, my process has been drawing on the iPad Pro, plugging that iPad Pro directly, I'm sorry, let me back up one step. I draw on Procreate almost all the time and I don't get paid to okay. say that, but I use Procreate as the app that I love so much. And I plug that iPad Pro open in the drawing in Procreate. 
HDMI cable into an HD projector and throw it on the wall and trace it. That's it. So it's this crazy high tech, you know, HD projector stuff, iPad Pro, the big one, the 12 inch, um, to hand draw something on a wall, which is so dumb, but it works really well. That's awesome. That's the process. So to go back one more step, when Resource started that project and we got into that chunk of work, which was about uh, six or six different um, sections of the building that, that we designed, that became a staple of my workload for the last two plus years. In fact, yeah. the job I just left this morning for Sweet Carrot, which is a new restaurant opening in the a second location in the north side of town, same process. Um, a bunch of drawings, and um, if you guys saw my Instagram feed with that really disturbing shot of me wearing that painter's head sock a couple nights ago, um, that's a sweet carrot, and the whole theme is rabbits. But same process, uh, lots of drawings. I'll, um, I'll so how did it go it from that original drawing you made to what they had on the wall? They said, hey, can you adjust, Can or did you just adjust it, and then you got them to approve it? I shared... And this is, again, the bonus. If you guys are out there wondering about buying an iPad Pro, just do it. Find the money, make it happen. Because I'm in the, the way I share that stuff is I draw it directly in the iPad Pro and Procreate. And out of Procreate, punch a JPEG right out to the client. That's it. Or I can punch out animations of something, which people don't usually ask for. And it's not really necessary for selling these kind of things. But, again, drawing in, the, in, the, in Procreate in the, uh, in the, on an iPad Pro, send it. I have no interest anymore in laying out a sketchbook and putting a camera over top of it and cleaning up photos and sending those off to a client. The, the reality of the, the drawing experience you know, on the iPad Pro and Procreate with the pencil is so close to the real thing anymore. It's just what I use. I, I have paper. My notebook's here behind me. I carry this wonderful little Shinola notebook. I love their blank notebooks. They have one model, and it's great. And I carry it every day. But when it's client work, um, I do it. And I'll show you... Um, Actually, I'll show you guys a little sneak peek. I probably shouldn't show this because only the client has seen this. But, okay, here we go anyway. This is one that um, we didn't, we're not, we're not doing yet. But um, just a little rough sketch, just super fast and procreate. Um, this is some, uh, I think, Snoop, some Snoop song. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So Andre, Andre asked. Andre asked a good question. How was the drawing applied to the wall? Did you also draw by hand, projected the digital sketch, and trace it? Yes. Sorry if I'm not being clear. No I, worries. I, I project right onto the wall and trace right on top of that thing. And in some, in a lot of instances, I'll get it to a certain point and they just freehand the rest of it. You know, I'll, I'll lay the iPad Pro down next to me and just look down and make sure I'm keeping myself straight. But yes, I am tracing right on top of that projection because. Why not? Why not just get it, get the job done? The client knows what, you know, they have an expectation. Uh, why? I don't have any interest in playing the purist and saying, well, I must draw this by hand without an HD projector because, ah. This is, you know, this is a commercial venture, and I am very sensitive to my time. So if I can, this method allows me to get things done much faster. But the other advantage to having the uh, projection especially with clients is the flexibility that it gives you. So think it. So if you guys can imagine the scenario again, iPad pro connected to an HD projector and you don't have to spend a fortune to get a good one. I mean, they are what they are, get, but get an HD one because you'll have, you'll need that clarity at distances, of course. 
but when you get that you 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 get that um, projector on a tripod, you throw it on the wall. The client's standing next to you, and this is exactly what I do. I turn to him and I say, "What do you think?" And at that point, we can scale it right there in Procreate. Just just a little pinch and zoom, right? And and say, you want a little bigger? You want a little smaller? And we can talk about it. And if if we want to change something, I can stand right there in Procreate ee, 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 and make some changes. And they see it happen live and they love that. Again, you talk about value, you know, and I know that somebody's out there thinking, oh, that's like, you know, shoulder jockeying in the worst possible way. And I hate that as much as anybody. I hate it. But in this case, we're looking at final art. And... I've set expectations all along the process here so that there's, there's no need for surprises and I don't get any surprises right. at that point. I get, I do get some, some odd questions like, well, what if we did this? And you know, this is, this is that delicate dance with the client. And if you set expectations all along, that's such an important phrase in this business. If you set those expectations communicated clearly, which I'm always trying to be better about, you actually shouldn't get those questions, but if you do, all you have to say is, remember in our original brief, our goal was to communicate this, and do you feel like that's still being communicated here? Oh, yeah, okay. I've never had anybody say no, thankfully, but, you can, but the point is you can go back to that document and say, this is our gospel. Are we good? Are we still good there? Right? right. If you don't set that up, yikes. You know, I'm standing there redrawing everything. Nobody wants to do that. But... <laughs> Just, just having the other thing about that is real, that's really cool is it gives them a little bit of control with that with that um, that moment of placing that thing on their wall, and I let them pinch and zoom. I let them play with it. You know why not? And then uh, all I do is say, do, do we have it where we want it? And they say, yep. I say, okay. I'm going to go ahead and leave this up, and I'm going to lock it down with a few quick lines, and then I'm going to get this going. Good. Yep. That's it. I'll take a picture with my phone or with my, with my Fuji. Um, and then, and then we roll. That's the process. So then, so uh, Daniel asked a good question. Are you projecting this in black and white? Are you, do you have the color of the wall on the iPad and then you're projecting white or how does that work? Oh, that's a great question. And I, I hate Daniel. I hate to say this, but it depends. It depends on the, the color of the wall. Um, but for example, in the resource stuff, all of their walls are the super dark gray color. Mm -hmm. So in that case, I was drawing on gray, a gray background in Procreate with a white pen because that it was going to use a white pen or a silver molotow, silver metallic molotow to actually put it on the wall. So um, I hope that answers the question. But here's here's the even better thing about using the using Procreate or some app like that for doing this kind of work on an iPad Pro. In every one of these jobs, I will walk into that space even if it's still a raw space and unfinished and I'll take a picture of that wall and drop that you guys know what I'm gonna say I'm gonna drop that into iPad Pro and the procreate and I'm gonna draw right on top of that so that when I send them that photo uh, it's gonna have that drawing right on top of it as a layer in procreate because in procreate you can make layers right. you know, layers upon layers like a hundred some layers I think just like Photoshop and you can export it as a PSD man I wish procreate would pay me to say these things but anyway, so when you send that client that photo of their space with this cool art on it, hopefully cool art, they get so jazzed about that. Why would you not do that, you know, versus sending them, again, I still send the, the raw pencil drawings like you guys have seen here. Mm -hmm. um, there's still value in that. But there's a really great moment of putting that thing into their space, and people love it. So 
There you go. That's my process. I hope I've captured everything. Thanks for that question, Daniel. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so you've pretty much walked us through our, your process. You are also not only in love with um, Procreate, you're also in love with Molotow uh, markers, right? I am. I am. But I'll, I'll tell you guys something. I had a, I had a bad moment on this current job with Sweet Care. I think I got a bad batch of Molotow markers. So Molotow, if you're listening, fix your formula. Um, anyway, I switched over to, just so you guys know, I use Molotow because they're awesome. They really are overall, even though they had a bad batch. Um, Montana is their competitor, which is okay. Not quite as, um, not quite as opaque and as permanent as Molotow's typically. Crake, if you want to go mm -hmm. down to the dark side and stain everything in sight and, yeah. Uh, Andre mentioned uh, Posca's. Mm -hmm. I, I just started using those. I like them. Uh, Deco is a pretty good brand. So there's a lot of things out there. Uh, I'm missing one. Uh, Letraset. Let, let, I'm, I'm messing that up. No, I'm getting that one wrong. Um, but what happened on this job was I, I started from the black line work. I started using the Sharpie Pro Magnums. It's a little chalky, but they're working like champs right now. And uh, so, Molotow, like I said, fix your stuff because Sharpie's winning the game today. Mm. So, David says they get crazy expensive, though, because they can come oh. in really thick, right? But you just mm -hmm. have to include that into your your bid. Yeah, David, you know, you know what's up. Yeah, it's an investment in these markers. For sure. Yeah. So, what but about... When you price the job accordingly, it doesn't matter that you're paying 15 bucks a marker. Right. You know, it's, it's okay. It's just materials, right? So what about Procreate? Are you making your own brushes? I know this wasn't in our thing. No. Are you draw, using just what comes with, or do you buy some? I, uh, everything that I use on a daily basis is done by somebody else. Uh, that said, one of, the, one of the big advantages of Procreate is that the brush set itself is ridiculous as far as what they give you up front in the native app. They give you stuff that's, again, it's ridiculous. There's silly things. It's like Kai, somebody mentioned Kai's power tools earlier in the chat. It feels a lot like Kai's power tools in the brush. You're like, what? Anyway, there are some fantastic third-party brushes out there. And um, a guy named Ben Liu, if you guys look him up, B-E-N-L-E-W. Ben's got a, a pretty nice brush set or two. And... Um, there's a thing, there's another one called Tip Top Brushes, and, and I forgot to send you this link. And Tip Top Brushes is no longer called that. I think it's something else now, but if you Google it, it'll still show up in the search. Okay. Tip Top makes a set that includes a brush. Um, let, me, let me punch this up really fast so I get this name right. Sorry, y'all, I'm gonna make sure, because what I'm, what I'm gonna find is the name of this brush because it's my daily go-to brush. There's a lot of great brushes out there, but it is tiptopbrushes.com. Uh, staying corrected. So if you go to tiptopbrushes.com, look at Ultimate Ink, and inside Ultimate Ink are some brushes that I don't use, but there's one in there called Perfect Inker. Now this is just me because this is the way I, you know, works with the way I draw. And um, that Perfect Inker brush which is my daily go-to brush. The stuff that I do on Instagram is almost all done with Perfect Inker. The other one that he did is called Bleeder. It's in that same set. That's super chunky and fun to use. And I use that for the um, post I did a couple days ago that has the, the guy screaming with the fork, um, mm -hmm. the piece of paper. 
And if you swipe that post as a, a, um, the word mine, mine was done very quickly. That lettering was done very quickly with the bleeder brush. It's got this big chunky stuff all around it. And when you, when you sweep and procreate with that brush, it gets really fat, really fast. So that's fun to use. Cool. All right. So we're going to kind of skip ahead a little bit because we don't have that much time left. We have about 10 minutes. So what do you, what are some ways do you think for people to tap into their creative place um, or find what they're meant to be doing? Um, you, you actually, when we were talking or some things that I've, uh, videos I've heard you uh, talk about, you talk about play a lot. Um, is that something I think sometimes that's really hard to do because where a lot of us are perfectionists or it's hard to kind of find a style or, a, you know, a way to go. So what, what would you tell somebody who's really just struggling to try to find their voice? Again, like, like Doc's question earlier, a fantastic question. And one that you, you just, I think you have a responsibility to unpack every day, dive into however you want to put that. But, yeah, the, the play thing's important. I think that the thing that stands in the way of play and exploration and growth, inspiration, all that stuff is, I'll, I'll tell you what it is, it's plugged in right here. It's these stupid things. That's, this is the, this is, well, I don't have, I'm not gonna go into a lecture about it. You guys know the drill, but we, we just can't really get the depth of the world around us, the sights and the smells and the dirt and all and the, and the, and the, all of it through a screen. Mm. So when I talk about play and, and adventure and travel and all those things, it's sure not through a screen that I've done some, some really, I've done some, some VR work the last, the last, the last year before I started Megas design. That was really fun. So I'm not trying to say that I'm some caveman, you know, I spent the last 15 years doing interactive work and I still do interactive work occasionally. But and again, I know this sounds like a lecture. I'm sorry, but I can tell you from experience, from deep experience, that there's nothing like seeing things up close and personal, the, the good and the bad of it, and, and being in, in, in those experiences. I mean, really being in those experiences. And like some folks have heard me say before, the biggest challenge for me in, in terms of unplugging and really getting sucked into something completely is take is not taking my camera i can leave the phone but you know one of my fuji bodies uh not on my hip is, makes me a little i gotta photograph it you know i don't and, and janet's been great about reminding me of that we were in italy a couple years ago or actually i'm sorry um last year and uh on a bicycle trip and she asked me a couple days in to leave my camera behind and, and that was hard mm. i didn't i didn't want to I didn't want to do that, but I did. And she was right in suggesting that I just put it down and just, just be there. You know, mm -hmm. like I say, be here now all the time, but that, that really matters. So I can go on and on about that. It just gets boring, but I, I just am, I am concerned that we are culturally in a place where we're all turning into zombies and mm -hmm. it scares me. It scares me to drive anymore. I used to love driving. I don't anymore. It's just a function to get from A to B because I see so many people just checked out behind the wheel and, um, and, you know, checked out on their feet. And, and again, I'm saying that because and I'm concerned about that because I know my own heart too. And I know that I am guilty of the same. And I know that the, 
the best parts of my life are when I am looking away from a screen. I am fully observing what's happening around me. So, because the screen thing is a big, I, mean, I think when you have kids and when you, I know Doc has kids and another one on the way and I think it's, um, we are in technology, we rely on it, but just having a certain time or time to just play that's not connected to the screen, for sure. Yep. So, um, how does your faith play a role in your decision to go out on your own and what about taking on new clients and having faith that just God will provide new clients? Um, Cause I think sometimes uh, when you do go out and you don't really have um, a lot of people are, Hey, when is that next client going to come? What, how does that play a role for you? Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like going on a flight. You know, if, if, uh, if your prayer life's not in order, you know, just go on a plane and sit in some turbulence for two minutes and, your, your prayer life will probably return in full. So it's kind of true the same of um, running, running a small business. And I know that's not true of everybody. I know that just because you run a small business doesn't mean you, it's not the same as being in turbulence. But for me, it's been pretty critical to grow my faith, having made this move. It's opening a small business like this again, first time for me, has been good on a couple of levels. One is, is how it makes it painfully aware how little I know about a lot of things. Mm. And that's a good place to be. I'd like to pretend that I know all kinds of things and the reality is that I don't. Uh, it's remarkable what I don't know. And that's good. But the other thing is the faith component. And so this idea of by prayer and plow that some folks have heard me talk about before has been a pretty critical thing for me. And, um, you know, it's not nirvana. It, it doesn't mean that days are easy or that God is, you know, dropping answers into my lap like lightning bolts. Um, but there, there is, there is something remarkable about having a vertical focus at the beginning of every day and the days that I forget to do that, I can, I can mark them by the, by the anxiety and the stress because I got plenty of that. But the days that I, I wake up and remember this prayer and plow thing is, is real. And that I, I just, the days so that I wake explain up. And, that because you explained it to me the other day and um, Tim says he loves that phrase, but just in case somebody doesn't know. Oh yeah. It's a, uh, it's a uh, pretty straightforward. I think uh, in that, the, the plow is just doing the work. And so any given day, I'm either behind the plow, you know, just making stuff, cranking it out. But that alone isn't enough. The, the prayer component is the other part of a good day, of a, of a, of a well-done day. So I'm not just cranking. I'm, I'm, if I'm not cranking or, if I, or while I'm cranking on a good day, on, a, on, the, on the right kind of a day, I'm also just being mindful of, the purpose of that thing. Why am I, I was talking to a guy named Chris Walker this morning, a friend of mine. We were talking about how, how often we don't just on a daily basis throughout the day say, why am I doing this particular thing? Mm. So, so in starting this business, uh, and I know that sounds really straightforward, like duh, but you know what? I would, I would 
venture to say that I think a lot of us don't do that. Hmm. I know that I'm guilty of just going headlong into a day and then 12 hours later, I think, wow, what, what, what happened? And, um, but on the days that I'm, I'm getting my shoulders out of my ears, being vertically focused, the days can still be crazy, but they are less crazy. And, um, they, uh, they end with a, a, a sense of peace, even if it ramps up to, to you know, to chaos. Um, mm-hmm. It happens, man. It's the business. It's, if you don't like that, you, you shouldn't be in advertising or, or creative services. Um, but they end on, on a note that where I feel like the perspective was, was right and the focus, the vertical focus was there. So uh, I have, I want to at least touch on this for, for the last two minutes. Um, you, and I are part of this same generation. We were really taught, I think, to be generalists. And now that is not the trend. Um, uh, it's really more specialization. And maybe it always has been. I really don't know. Uh, there were just fewer specialist areas. Can you share how you feel about a generalist versus a specialist? In 90 seconds. Hmm. Well, you could do it a little bit longer if you want. All right. I'll try to make this brief. Um, I... Uh, I, I see people that are specialists and, and I know that it's not for me. Mm. Simply uh, kind of the, the crass part of that answer is that I, I think I'd be bored if I was a specialist and I only mm. did one thing. Um, I've been blessed to, to do a lot of things. And, and again, I don't take that for granted. I know that's very much a blessing to be able to have a variety of, of skills. But the, I think the most important thing I can share about where I'm at with that part of my my journey here with Megas Design, because I'm struggling with that right now. What's my focus? Is that mm. the most important thing about that conversation currently for me is if I go in front of a client and I say, look at all the things that we do. It's like walking into a target. Mm-hmm. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to have a, you know, and again, going talking, talking to Derek, you know, you've got to have a very good, efficient, extremely well-designed system of, place that allows them in a matter of seconds to scan and know what their next major move is so that they can make that minor macro move after that micro move that that's an art all by itself so the same thing is true of us as designers in in what we're offering if, if we think we're generalists so my my current task right now with Mingus design is to say right right now on my site i offered that services page a lot of different things that's going to get chopped because it's too much for someone to decode that much information. Mm-hmm. It's not helping them and it's darn sure not helping me. It's too scattered for both of us, the client and myself. So um, what I'm praying about, talking to my business coach about, uh, working with a writer, all those things combined to say, what are those two or three things that are, I could still be a generalist in the sense that I do provide a few things, mm-hmm. not just one thing, I think, but what are those two or three things? That's what we're working about, working towards. Cool. So is that really what's next is kind of figuring out that messaging? Yeah, it is. I got a lot of work to do there. <laughs> I feel like it's, uh, it's just off track. And, and, and so the earlier conversation was, like I said, I, I took the work that I got for the last two and a half years. And it's been such a, such a blessing to have work coming in and, and great clients and a variety of things. But I just have this gnawing feeling like it's time to, it's time to focus a little bit. And and and, um, and tune that message going forward. Well, I think I think that's awesome, and I think 
you're incredible and you're a really amazing illustrator and I think the your um, philosophy on growing your business and um, having really being a servant um, to your clients uh, is a really great nice um, refreshing way to be um, and Doc says you're one of his favorite people and I know Derek wanted me to ask some questions about your um, your camera your portraits the images you also do um, uh, you have a channel on Instagram that's uh, I think it's Mingus Design underscore X maybe. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Photography um, became a big part of the business the last couple of years. So. And so, and it's just um, from your travels and just the portraits and images that you're sh sharing. He said, and how does this process influence your work? Oftentimes, I notice the people you shoot have funky personalities and quirks, which clearly connect to your work. That's what he asked. Uh, well. Um, I, all that a lot of the photography now there's a lot of commercial client work coming in so that's that's going to get filtered into that channel soon some of it's already in there but a lot of that photography goes back to that idea of just go explore mm -hmm. so like I said, that's the camera the camera comes with me um, but um, but a lot of those images are just about as you can see on that channel there's a lot of people in those photos because I love street shooting and I love talking to people on the street and just mm -hmm. having that conversation and ultimately asking, may I take your picture? So um, that's, that's just connecting with people, you know, and um, man, there, this, the, the, the value of that is, is a whole other podcast or six. <laughs> uh, sure. What that means in terms of the immediate value to me and hopefully to them, but how that plays into uh, um the work, you know, the faces that you see, the conversations that you have, the things that you learn, what they can teach you and you can teach them or just things you can just share that don't have to be teachable moments necessarily. All that stuff is just woof, into your brain that you can, that you can bring back to your work at some point and mm -hmm. not through a screen, but real people in real time. Right. So I want to make sure everybody knows how to connect with you. And so one of the best ways is to check out your website is M E N G E S dot design. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then also on Instagram, I've shared this earlier and I'm going to share both of them again, but um, M-E-N-G-E-S design on Instagram or M-E-N-G-E-S design underscore X on Instagram or on Twitter as Mingus design. So uh, same, same hash or um, handle kind of everywhere with uh, hope, hopefully, right? Pretty much. Pretty much except for that that underscore X thing. The photography one. Yeah. yeah. Which is for the X platform for Fuji. It's what I shoot with. So. Oh, cool. So Dylan, thank you. I know we didn't thank get you. everything done. Um, uh, uh, Daniel says, thanks. And I'm glad Sharpies you'll be pointing toward heaven art metal <laughs> um, <laughs> for sure. And thanks yeah. for sharing some of your work and just the, process and all the stuff that goes behind it and I definitely um, I hopefully will see you at Creative South are you planning on going this year yep yep okay. definitely going to Creative South got my ticket awesome well then Good forward to it. Um, next week I'm taking the week off hopefully I will be digging into more of my sabbatical and maybe I'll be playing some more hopefully and then I'll see you the week after with Karina Reff, who is also, um, she's been playing a lot with lettering. So if you're into lettering, Clea, you'll definitely need to come. Um, she's been doing a lettering a day project. So 
Dylan, thank you so much. And just in case anybody doesn't know, and if you're new, um, if you sign up at rechargingyou.com, you'll get the, an email every week and you can um, ask questions. And I know you guys know how to get here. So thankfully you did. And then if anybody wants to email me, you have a suggestion or you want to help me play, um, hit me up at diane at rechargingyou.com. And then um, if you want, I did put the, the link in the show notes. Uh, the show notes will be on the website, which um, is this really long URL, which will be below if you're watching this on YouTube or it'll be on in all those other things. And now your cat's saying goodbye as well. <laughs> anyway, beginning and end. Thank you guys, and Thank we'll you. see you in two weeks. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you.